My name is Mark Liebetrau, and I serve as one of the elders. Our scripture reading this morning is Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is the word of the Lord. I missed being with you last week. I was uh, <clears throat> in Washington State, uh, just north of Spokane, dropping our oldest daughter off to college for the first time. And uh, it was a good weekend. Um, this is our final picture right here. We had just um, <clears throat> had this uh, um, moment of you know, really, my, my first tears of the weekend almost. Um, short little this time to sort of bless her and pray for her, and uh, then she walked away from us. And um, I'm guessing some of you have done this. And you just wonder is she ready? She's been with us in our home, part of our uh, little family for 18 years. Does she know what she's doing? What have I forgotten to tell her? What does she still need to know? Have I let her see enough into my heart that she'll know to follow Jesus without me? How should she live? Um, it <clears throat> was beautiful and nerve-wracking, um, thrilling and panicking. And those kinds of questions are really at the heart of our passage today. In a certain way, our daughter has gone off into exile. That's what it feels like to me. Um, and now, it's not in the homeland anymore. Israel found themselves in exile, and they wondered, what do we do? This passage charts a way for those Israelites, and also, as it turns out, for us. So let's pray, and we'll dive in. Uh, Lord, oh, um, thank you. This third time around, helping me get through that without uh, tears. 
But thank you especially for the goodness of your word. Thank you especially for how it carries us, reminds us, calls us to a deep life. Lord, would your words today um, prick our hearts, fire our imaginations, sharpen our obedience, prepare us for the way everlasting. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. If you are our Lord, rock, and redeemer, and all God's people said, amen. Uh, well, hi, everyone. My name's uh, Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really glad that you're here with us today. How many of you totally and thoroughly lost your voice after last uh, yesterday's football result? Wow. I have to, uh, I got to tell you, I, um, uh, I officiated a wedding up the mountains uh, yesterday afternoon and evening. And so as I was, um, as I was driving up, as the family was driving up, we lost all cell phone coverage, all Wi-Fi ability, all radio coverage up in the mountains right towards the end of the first half. I, so I had no idea. I had no idea. So imagine my delight and my surprise as we're driving down the mountain, and I hand Reese my phone. I say, Reese, tell me the score. And he says, 34-31 buffs. And I say, no. He's like, look, Dad. He's like, hold it right in front of my face while I'm driving a mountain road. Wow. I imagine there were a lot of people, if you're from Nebraska, who needed some local love last night and many of us celebrating it. And that's our theme, actually right now in the middle of this series and throughout the rest of the year, this call for us to love local. Look down right here at our feet, get a sense of our place and our location. Look up and see who, what it is and who it is that God has placed right in front of us. And then to be an exhibition and an experience of God's love uh, for them. Look up, or probably look down, look up, love who you see. And it turns out that can be sometimes pretty challenging. That was a situation that Israel was in in our passage today. They had been um, carried, it says, into exile. They, they found themselves in this place that they didn't feel like they belonged in. They were out of the promised land. And it was a place with a different language and different culture and different rhythm and different food and different smells and all of it. And they wondered, God, are you, are you aware of where we live now? What are, what are we supposed to do? Should we fight? Turn our um, plowshares into swords? rebel? Should we keep our, 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 our sandals on and our tunics ready to run? Should we get out of here? What should we do? How are we supposed to live this kind of exile life? The, the primary thing that Israel was feeling in this moment was, was disorientation and confusion. I'm not in the place where I'm supposed to be. I'm not in the place that I think of and call my home.
fast forward about 600 years and, and what we discover in the New Testament, the story of how God works um, in the times of Jesus and after, what we discover is that this is no longer news for us. That actually this, we are in exile. That's our current condition at all times here as we wait for the Lord. You are in exile. And what is completely disorienting to Israel, it turns out, um, it's something we're supposed to maybe embrace. This is from Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes, But our citizenship, our belonging, our home is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul says, your sense of belonging, your citizens, you belong somewhere else. So of course, where you are right now is always going to feel in some way like it cuts across the grain just a little bit. It never quite feels right once you find yourself in God's kingdom and one of his people. There are many people in this uh, room um, who have spent some extraordinary amount of time overseas as an exchange student or uh, professionally for months or for even years at a time. And in almost every case, in fact, every case that I can think of right now, whenever I've had that conversation, this is what they say. I loved being overseas. I loved it. But it felt so good when I was finally back home. No matter where that home, their home might have been Akron, Ohio. And I'd have just spent a whole bunch of time in Florence. But there's something that feels deeply settling about being back in the place where you're from. Paul says that that's our spiritual reality now at all times. You are in exile. You are now citizens of somewhere else. And so the, the question is, how are you supposed to live in that way? Somewhere else in Scripture, an even sort of finer metaphor than just citizenship, Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians. Beyond citizenship, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're not just in exile, we're citizens in a foreign land. And we're not just citizens. It turns out we are ambassadors. It's interesting to think about what ambassadors are called to do. Of course, the task of a modern ambassador is complex and difficult and multitudinous in its job responsibilities. I just used the word multitudinous. <laughs> Whatever that is, we are called to represent the story 
the concerns, the values of our homeland. That's what an ambassador does. An ambassador represents the place, the country, in our case, the kingdom of God, where we are from. So how do we do that? How do we, as exile citizens, be ambassadors in the place where we are? There's probably a list of 12 things I could have said, but I really just want to... Um, I really just want to encourage us to think about three today. The first, as an ambassador, pursue faithful presence. Pursue faithful presence. The Israelites were uh, really confused. But God says twice, I have carried you into exile. You are here for a reason. That reason is probably beyond you because it involves this whole narrative arc of how God wants to be known and experienced by every people in every tribe in every tongue in every nation. But I've, I've carried you there to be part of what God, what I am doing, God says, in, in all of creation. And here's what I want you to do. Do the things you would do. Do the things that you would do. Get planted, grow gardens, have children. And here's sort of um, uh, something that might be dis unsettling for some of us. Certainly was for the first years. He says to them, hey, you, get married, have children. And he's like, okay, that's, that sounds good. And then help your children get married so that they can have children. And now the Israelites are a little nervous. This project God has us on as ambassadors is longer than we think. This isn't a one-day thing. It's not a two-year thing. It's a generational thing. Like, you exhibit the faithful presence of God for generations. You take on the values and concerns and ethos of being of one of God's people throughout time and the generations. And that can be really hard. That can be really difficult. This idea of faithful presence, I wish it was mine, but it really it was um, embedded in this book called To Change the World by uh, James Hunter. And... Um, Basically what he says is, is, this is the way, this is his proposal for how Christians should seek to operate faithful in a post-Christendom world. You simply exhibit faithful presence. And what he goes on to acknowledge is all the various ways churches and Christianity in general have sought to understand where they are in their place in our culture. And the first thing he says is the desire to be relevant to the world has come at the cost of abandoning our distinctiveness. Sometimes churches have tried, maybe sometimes we have tried, so hard to be just, just simply relevant, nothing else but just relevant, that, that we actually have lost our saltiness. We've lost what feels sort of different and flavorful about being God's people. He says, something we can do is we can pursue relevance, but that's not the same as faithful presence. 
He says something else that people do. The desire to be defensive against the world is rooted in a desire to retain that distinctiveness. But in the church history, this has been manifested in ways that are, on one hand, aggressive and confrontational. Think culture wars. And on the other, culturally trivial and inconsequential. Think Thomas Kincaid paintings. Sometimes we've been defensive against the world in some way. And we either fight like everything matters or we pursue a kind of beauty that is beautiful but won't actually engage the world. Or he goes on to say, this is something else that uh, churches do. Sometimes the desire to be pure from the world, to just stay set aside from the world, and entail, entails a withdrawal from active presence in huge areas of social life. Sort of like all the ambassadors have been called together to have a lifelong conference of ambassadors. We're not going to go out anymore. We're just going to be ambassadors to one another. Think the Amish. We're going to remain pure and faithful. But then he goes on to say, lastly, in contrast to these paradigms, the desire for faithful presence in the world calls on the entire laity. All the high school students who are in here and the middle school students who are in here, all of those who are retired and in the last decade of your life, in all vocations, whatever your work is, whatever your life is, ordinary and extraordinary, common and rarefied, to enact the shalom of God in the world. Are you a barista and pulling shots? Faithful presence. Enact the shalom of God right where you are. Do you hold a significant role in your business or at university? faithful presence. Exhibit the hope and the shalom of God right where you are. So if we're going to be ambassadors, the first thing we need to do is exhibit that kind of understanding of God's hope and work in the world as a faithful presence. Sometimes developmentally who we are and where we are, that can be easier and trickier than others. Sometimes by the time we're in our 60s, we kind of have our community and we, we're stopped sort of um, bumping shoulders maybe with those who think differently than we do. But our, our middle school and high school students, they have a bigger challenge. And we should be praying for them every day. They are also called to be ambassadors and exhibit the faithful presence of God's kingdom. And that sort of leads us into this second thing, because that can be really hard. So as we are seeking this faithful presence, the next thing we need um, to do, go ahead and pull it up there, is exhibit a gentle difference. There actually should be something that feels and looks different about an ambassador. 
There should be something that has sort of a different kind of um, a quality about it. And sometimes, can I just be honest, it's possible to get too comfortable in a foreign land. Spiritually speaking, it's possible to get too comfortable in a land that is not our home. Uh, Finish this phrase for me. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. That's right. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Do you know where that came from? This is really interesting to me as I found this out earlier this week. So, Augustine, St. Augustine. New believer living in Milan and being mentored by um, a man we now call Saint Ambrose. A lot of saints. Spiritual powerhouse. And he's been in Milan, Augustine has been in Milan for, you know, a couple years now, learning how to follow Christ. And part of the pattern there is that the church would fast on Tuesdays. They would fast and pray on Tuesdays. And he's about to go to Rome, where they fast and pray on Saturdays. And so he asks Ambrose, his spiritual mentor, what should I do as I find myself in Rome, but we do this here and they do that there? Ambrose says, this is my policy. When I'm in Rome, I do as the Romans do. He's talking about spiritual practice and how to exhibit God's kingdom in in the various places where we are. And what that means is, some of you are going to leave this church at some point. You're going to go out of town, you're whatever. Moving on. You're going to Akron, Ohio. I don't know why, but you are. And at that church, they don't say, forgive us our debts, but they say, forgive us our trespasses. What should you do? When in Akron, do as the Akronites do. Allow the practices of how you operate and live in the community to to be dictated by how the community has already decided it's good to do life together. But over the centuries, that phrase has actually become a way to simply say, just lazily do what all the other people do around you. It's now so embedded in the culture that it's a way to say, just simply do everything the folks in Boulder do. When in Boulder, do as the Boulderites do. But friends, we are called to have a, a, a gentle difference. Much of what we do here is uh, stuff we're just, we need to have children and eat food and gather with people in places and enjoy a good beer. All those things are fine. But as we continue to read the book of Jeremiah, and as we continue to sort of engage with the, the rest of the prophets who are writing to Israel in exile, what is, what is really clear is this. There's, there's also a distinction that should not be lost. There's a habit and a practice of continuing to gather for worship that we should continue. We should seek to allow God's word to continue to sort of roll over us and shape our lives and imaginations. The way that we invest our money and exhibit generosity and practice spiritual and sexual morality, there should be a gentle difference. It should not look identical. Now, sometimes we hear that and we think, he's asking us back into the culture wars. Jesus said it like this. 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, what's interesting about light is it cannot exercise blunt force trauma. All it can do is be an exhibition of God. That's the difference between the culture wars and gentle difference and faithful presence. Let your light shine. Let your way of life, the habits around your table, the way you say goodnight, the way you engage your um, workplace environment, let it be a light. Show your friends and neighbors that there's another way, that the constant and unending pursuit of awesomeness in Boulder needs to involve the Holy Spirit. So faithful presence, gentle difference, and finally, focused affection. It's good to see what's good about living in your neighborhood. It's good to see what is beautiful and fun about being here in Boulder County. Um, there are, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of riders today in the Buff Classic riding their bikes all around the county. Our, um, Carl Hoffman, one of our pastors, is, is one of those people. And it's totally, 100% fine to, to see what's good and fun and playful and exhibits God's kingdom just in the culture itself and love it. And to want to see it grow and prosper and thrive the very end of our passage today says it like this. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Look down at your feet. Look up. Love what you see. Seek its prosperity. Invest in what is good and holy about where you are. Have this deep love and admiration for what is lovable and admirable. Seek the, the common good of the community around you. In the old days, we used to say, build the commonwealth. Let my investment benefit you and let your investment benefit me. Build this focused affection for what is right around you. Can you imagine what would happen to our neighborhoods if for three generations we built a life like this with faithful presence? 
gentle difference, and focused affection. What would happen to the story of what Christians are like in your neighbor's lives? What would happen to the way God's kingdom is talked about sort of in surprising and random ways at coffee shops? What would happen if your neighbor watched you over years live with faithful presence, gentle difference, and focused affection for them? I don't know if you uh, would know this necessarily because sometimes this, this can take a long time. Um, we're seeking to do that here. Uh, the second Sunday in September always marks the beginning of my next year of ministry here. Um, I started on September 12, 2012. And um, when I first came, people said to me, you know, Eric, you're trying to turn the Titanic. I hate that image. We know what happened to the Titanic. But then as they sort of talked about the difficulty and the complexity of, of living as a Christian in, in Boulder County, they almost would always say, hey, how are you doing? This place is weird, isn't it? I mean, did you read that thing in the paper about how, like, the city just had this, like, naked bike ride downtown and everyone was okay with it? Did you read that thing that the city council is doing that's going to cost us millions of dollars and not have any effect? I don't know. This place is weird. Hey, Eric, do you wish you were back in Berkeley where it's less weird? And here's the thing I want you to know. I haven't had a conversation like that for probably at least three years. And you might not see it because these things are sometimes, they're long and they're slow and even generational. But this church is on the move. We are figuring this out. We are learning how to live in this way together. Faithful presence, gentle difference, focused affection. It is happening. And you are invited to be part of it personally and as a church. Now when we talk about um, Boulder, when I hear those kinds of stories, there's, there's sort of a smile. There's sort of an embrace. There's an understanding that we get to be, not have to be, get to be part of the fabric of our homeland. And we get to live it right here. When we say we want to love local, that's what it's about. We want to seek the prosperity of the people who are around us. Not just for our sake, but for theirs. You'll be challenged to do this in some way this week. Faithful presence Gentle difference, focused affection. Are you ready? Well, Lord, we thank you for the witness of your word today and how it speaks to us and prompts us and encourages us. 
And so, Lord, we come before you as your ambassadors, citizens in exile, and we pray, Lord, that you would help us know how to exhibit the values and hope and story of the kingdom. Help us to do it with great joy and confidence and gentleness and faithfulness. And all God's people said, Amen.